Ladies and gentlemen, welcome wrestling fans worldwide to Knoxville and the Great Smoky Mountains for the Ron Fuller Tennessee Studcast. Six feet nine inches tall, 265 pounds. This historic podcast from one of the most respected and successful wrestlers and promoters will follow the footsteps of the largest and oldest wrestling family on the planet. Listen to what I'm saying. That's right. Bring that camera in here a little bit closer. Through 93 years and four generations. The stud has arrived. Old school or new fan, this unique broadcast will educate and captivate as Ron details decades of professional wrestling's growth with truly unforgettable stories. I want those people out there at home to hear the stud. Sit back and enjoy the ride with the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud. You will learn that name, you will remember it. And now, the stud is here. All right, here we go. Hey, everybody, welcome in. It's David Summers, and it's another stud cast with the Tennessee stud, Ron Fuller. Here comes the story of wrestling in America, as told by the stud, whose family started the profession 100 years ago. So let's step back into the ring. Let's step back into time. We get wall-to-wall, treetop-tall, with the Tennessee stud, he had the nerve, he had the blood. There never was a house like the Tennessee stud. What's going on, stud? How's everything in the Smoky Mountains? Oh, just lovely, my man. Really, really beautiful day. Not a cloud in the sky. Probably going to be up to about in the 60s. It's it a little cold at night uh, this time of year. Uh, <laughs> You know, but uh, people up north in the northern part of the country, they got to be laughing when I say, you know, it's going down to 32 last night. They got to be, uh, you know. <laughs> so, but uh, we, uh, we, we being old southern boys, man, you know, it's uh, it's kind of kind of different, you know, for us. Yeah. Well, I got to ask, and I got to rib you one just for a second. Does it get cold on Saturdays now? Tennessee's just not doing so well lately. <laughs> it got cold last Saturday, I can say that. Yeah, I bet it did. Listen, hey, they've had a great year, and Josh Heupel's done a terrific job trying to get this thing turned around. And I think they're at, what, only two losses now? So, listen, that's not a bad year for Tennessee, and they they definitely played Alabama up to, at least up to the first half. So, anyway, we're, we're into the th- final, like, final three games or maybe two games left in the season. So we're getting down to the point of, uh, okay, who's going to go where? So at least t- Tennessee is settled in for uh, a really good bowl game for sure. Yeah, I think they're going to be uh, – they're going to do all right. And uh, they, uh, they had a really good year last year. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah. so but we'll see what we'll see what's going to happen with them, man. Uh, it's about crying time, man, when football season's over, though. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Alabama, the Crimson Tide was doing a little crying last year on that Tennessee game, but you know how saving is. He don't do it twice in a row. So anyway, man, it is so much fun to do that on Saturdays. And it's so cool to get in here with you because these studcasts are still producing huge numbers every episode, Ron. So what was happening now in southeastern Gulf Coast to me closely resembles what happened five years earlier right there in the Knoxville Territory. Well, that's that's a fact, Dave. Uh, so many of the same type things, man, that turned Knoxville from basically a single city that we turned into a six night a week territory, and then turned that into 
maybe the best small territory in the world. Uh, all that was happening in, in the Gulf Coast in 1979. So we're about the same point that uh, Knoxville was back in time. So, so and if you're a true wrestling fan, the building of a territory is something that you're not going to learn or find out about on any other wrestling podcast in the world. I can tell you that. <laughs> now, in the Tennessee Territory and the Gulf Coast Territory, although they were both owned by late 1979 by two different people, two different companies, they were still tied together, man, by what was going to happen years later when uh, they were rejoined together again. Yeah, to me, that that's the beauty of your studcast. They're a continuing, weekly, unique story told, of course, by the man who lived it. It's a podcast intentionally done that way by no one else, to my knowledge, anywhere in the world. And I think that is why it's so popular. So where does the story take us today, Stud? Well, we're going to talk about the new owners, uh, 3rd Knoxville Card, which is going to be, was on a Saturday night, November 22nd, 1979. Uh, I'm going to announce the card and the attendance and uh, focus on one match on that card in particular. And we will also discuss another card that's on that same date, uh, Thanksgiving night, 500 miles to the south in Mobile, Alabama. And we're going to cover that, that program, that card's TV show. Uh, we'll be uh, promoting the one that promoted the Thanksgiving card. We'll talk about the results of that card and the attendances in all three of those major cities down there on the Gulf Coast. And then hopefully, Dave, we're going to have enough time for another learning tree question again this week. Awesome. So it sounds like a really great ride ahead. So let's get started. How about the Thanksgiving night card in the Knoxville Coliseum? The date is Thursday, November 22nd, 1979. Well, the opening match was a guy named Carl Fergie versus the Angel, which was Frank Morrell. Uh, Paul Orndorff, who had become a star there, and, uh, and obviously uh, he's one of the guys that that uh, Jim Barnett wanted to keep from the Florida Territory. Uh, he was uh, facing off Orndorff against a guy called the Grappler, Mass Wrestler, uh, for the Southeastern Tag Championship with a no disqualification. The tag champions, David Schultz and Dennis Condry, were defended against Yvonne Robert and Pierre Lefebvre. And uh, then in a special challenge match, I was wrestling the new Southeastern champion, Sterling Golden, the former Hulk. And the main event was for the NWA World Championship. Dick Slater, the winner of the one-night tournament from last uh, Studcast episode, was facing Harley Race. <laughs> and there was a special referee for this one. Don Curtis, the Southeastern Commissioner, was actually going to referee this match. The commish. Wow. Okay. So quite a few, it seems to me, quite a few new names on that card with only five matches but that nwa world title match on thanksgiving night should have assured another sellout for the fourth year in a row how about that you know it was not the same old knoxville dave you know that it had been before the war hmm. and the crowd proved that uh, you know and we'll get to that uh, later on normally uh we'd been drawn on thanksgiving nights we've been selling out all of the uh, entire coliseum uh, we were drawing around 6,000. That was about all that you could put in the Coliseum. But according to the newspaper, the next day after this event, uh, it only reached 5,000. Uh, still, that was going to be the largest Coliseum crowd that the new Southeastern owners 
we're ever going to see in the next two years. Before they sold the territory, basically, in 1982 to Ric Flair and Black Jack Mulligan, 1982. Wow. All right. So... I'm gathering all this as we talk. So the title, the name of this studcast is Thanksgiving Spectaculars 1979. So obviously, then, as as we have mentioned in Knoxville and on the same night, one in Mobile. So where do you want to ride from here? Well, I want to spend a little time today focusing on the, on my last Knoxville Coliseum match uh, for the for the next for six years. Won't be back there in the Coliseum to ever wrestle again until 1985. And uh, so on this Thanksgiving night in 1979, I was going to be wrestling against Sterling Golden. Sterling Golden, that was a Georgia's version of the Hulk. And, uh, you know, Hogan had so many names, you know, I guess uh, Jim Barnett decided he wanted to call him Sterling Golden. And so uh, that was who I was wrestling on this Thanksgiving card. And I also want to recognize the referee for this match, who happened to be my benefactor and one of my best friends ever, uh, Mac McMurray. Yeah. And he sadly passed away a couple of years ago, but uh, it's certainly not forgotten by me and hundreds of others in uh, this part of Tennessee. No doubt. He was really, really well liked. Mm. And, and I seldom pick out one particular match to focus on, but uh, something unusual happened on that night. Actually, several things happened unusual on that night. But I want to primarily focus on the match in particular uh, because it was the last match uh, that I ever had and and probably the best match I ever had against Terry Bolia, the Hulk. So we already had quite a few of them uh, down in the southeastern Gulf Coast Territory, matches, lots of them down there. And this was my first match with him in probably about seven months or maybe even eight months. Uh, I had not seen him, talked to him or anything. Uh, I had the one conversation. He did come and work a week for me down in the, down in the Gulf Coast. But uh, I hadn't really seen him in seven months. And when he left Southeastern, he went to Memphis. And then he went from Memphis to Georgia. So that's how he ends up in Knoxville on Thanksgiving night in 1979. So I noticed right away, man, that he had improved quite a bit. You know, but but he told me after the match, he said, Ron, I, I got to admit, he said, this was the best match I have had so far ever. And uh, we'd been given a finish, but uh, kind of uh, both decided uh, to do our own thing, you know. And uh, and so our referee was Mac, uh, the guy, the man that had was just as responsible for there even being a Southeastern wrestling as I was, right? And I don't think Dave fans are aware that I'm the one who kind of handpicks the photos for each of these studcasts. Mm-hmm. And uh, trying to pick the one that I try to pick the one that I think best describes the title of the studcast. And this studcast photo is as good as it gets. Uh, you know, it may be a little bit because of the photos age, not quite absolutely clear. Uh, but the two photo, the two subjects in this photo are definitely perfect for this studcast. Mm. So, uh, and I don't know if fans, uh, fans, some fans get to see it, uh, these photos uh, that go with the studcast. And, uh, you know, this one is a really good one. So when coming, you know, from the back of the Coliseum in this match this night, uh, this photo is exactly what I saw as I approached the ring. It had Sterling Golden standing there. Uh, he was the Southeastern champion. 
he had the southeastern belt on. And uh, but uh, even though it wasn't a title match, he wore the belt to the ring. Didn't blame him for that. And as I said earlier, it was the biggest crowd the Georgia's owners were ever going to have in the Knoxville Coliseum. So uh, big crowds always make for great matches. And uh, and, and standing right next to him uh, was uh, my good friend and re- and the referee for the match, Mac McMurray. So uh, big big crowds bring big matches and. Uh, Maybe that's why this was, I think, going to be the best best match Hulk and I ever had. Mm-hmm. So this match lasted almost 30 minutes. That was probably far longer than any of Hogan's normal matches went at this point. He was young, and, and uh, he, he wasn't, uh, wasn't inclined to be able to work a long match. So it went that long because I think fan, the fans were really into the match. And so was he. As the match went on, he got into it too, and uh, and had, he had got me in his bear hug, which was that was his finish, a couple of times in the match. But uh, I was uh, able to escape before he really could do much damage with his bear hug. So then finally, uh, about uh, 25 minutes into the match, he finally applied his bear hug right in the middle of the ring. And, uh, and he was going to have that bear hug for probably close to five minutes at the end of this match, that one hope. And then most of his matches, that would have been the finish. It would, it, there was nobody going to get out of his bear hug. Uh, but because we were about the same height, when he grabbed his bear hug, uh, he kind of cinched me up uh, with his hands down low on my back, mm-hmm. where my head was uh, up higher than his head. I was actually about an inch taller than he was, but we were pretty much the same height. But when he grabbed me low on the back and jacked me up into his bear hug, then that made my head up a little higher than his was. So I tried to fight my way out, uh, moving upward rather than down. That's what a lot of the guys did. They tried to get their arms in there and, uh, and break their break the, the guy's grip around their waist. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were concerned about going down to get out of the hold. I decided to go up and see if I could break his hold. So I started working my way up uh, up his body, man, inch by inch, uh, slowly moving a little higher, a little higher as he squeezed me tighter and tighter. And uh, that boy was pretty strong, you know. And so I wasn't going to give up, though, you know. And and some and sometimes uh, I, I went totally limp uh, in the process of trying to get out of it. And Mac, being a referee, kept raising my hand when I would go limp to see if I was still conscious, basically. And uh, mm-hmm. every time it dropped onto his back, he kept, uh, you know, uh, applying the pressure. So then the Coliseum was cheering me. But but as soon as it started to appear, man, that I wasn't going to just give up like everybody else had that they had seen, uh, that building, they, they got up on their feet. They were like already into the match. Now at this point, they're seeing something different than they'd ever seen before. So I managed to pull myself up high enough, uh, up his body until his bear hug was no longer around the bottom of the lower back, but it was, it was basically around my hips. Hmm. The upper part of my body was sometimes when I could raise my body up straight, uh, my head was way above his head at that point. And then, uh, you know, if I went limp and uh, slumped forward, I draped across his back. So the longer it went with no submission, the, the louder the crowd got. And as he kept squeezing, I finally collapsed over his back and I dropped both arms down his back. 
And uh, wow, there was like a groan of disappointment from the crowd, man. Wow. They thought this is it, man. He, he ain't going to come out of this. And they thought I was beaten. And they almost stopped cheering entirely. So Mac raised one of my hands. I don't remember if it was the right or the left one. And he dropped it. And when he let me go, let it go, it dropped twice. And uh, then when he raised it the third time and I held it up, the building exploded, man. They, they realized that, geez, I, I think he's not going to give up. So after five, about five minutes in his bear hug, I started kicking my feet and I inched my way up higher and, and higher until I slumped over again. And at that point, a big portion of my body was hanging down his back. You know, and uh, so, but it, it also made it hard for him to bear hug me. Yeah, I was, was, I was good. He yeah. had, yeah, he had no leverage at this point. Yeah, right? he was supporting your entire body weight. Raped over his body. So, yeah. uh, wow. So when he couldn't hold the bear hug any longer, he dropped me head first, straight down his back. Wow. And, uh, so on the way down, I, I threw my feet up, uh, my, my feet out. So that I could, and he had put his arms, his, he was tired from holding me for five minutes. <laughs> my feet went underneath his arms. And at the same time, when my head got down to just about the mat, I ducked down between his legs and it took him backward off his feet and, uh, and into a perfect Pat O'Connor roll, man, with both of his shoulders on the mat <laughs> and one, two, three, I beat him. Right. It was one of the biggest pops I ever heard. Whoa. And then, you know, and, and it wasn't just me. It's the biggest pop he ever heard, too. And, and so was Mac, too, later on, you know. So so after, you know, I'd won the match, you know, I'd spent five minutes in a pair hug struggling. So I, he he left the ring, you know. And uh, But I stayed. I couldn't uh, couldn't jump right up, man. And uh, so Mac stayed with me. And uh, when we when uh, when I finally got on my feet, he, he raised my hand again. Coliseum popped again. This was probably two minutes after the match was over. They were still, they were still into what they had seen. Mm -hmm. So Mac uh, helped me all the way back to the huge curtain in the back of the Coliseum. When we got there, he told me, he said, Ron, that was one of the greatest matches I have ever refereed. Because wow, this one unbelievable. Well, how many matches do you think Mac <laughs> officiated over time? Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> he re he refereed every match in Knoxville's history, even the smaller cities, uh, yeah. for for five years, six years. Uh, then he went to work for WWF. Uh, he worked some WWE shows. Wow! Uh, wow! He worked he, thousands, thousands of matches. Uh, yeah, I was going to say uh, surely hundreds, and probably into the thousands, as many as this guy has officiated. And I want to mention this too. And this is on your Southeastern rewind channel on YouTube, the man who saved Southeastern. And this was a tribute to Mac after uh, only a couple of weeks, really after he had died. And you tell the story of Mac and literally how he saved Southeastern. But that is, is so amazing that he was there to officiate that match. And what an amazing description of that stud. So I could almost see it as you talked about it. And I've never seen anyone to my knowledge, escape a bear hug like that and turn defeat into victory. It's no wonder the Hulk said it was his best match ever. And I, I think the real key that he had difficulty with was, as you said, you were taller, maybe by an inch or two. 
And the height is one thing that definitely held the stud back uh, or, or held uh, the Hulkster back on, on getting the win. And so that, that's, that's pretty cool. The description, I think that lays out just um, amazingly. All right. So I hope you don't mind, but since you already mentioned Mac several times, and since I recorded the fantastic tribute you did to Mac a couple of years ago, again, another reminder, it is on Southeastern rewind on YouTube. And I just wanted to make sure that we made fans aware of that. And it's really worth it. You should check it out. Southeastern rewind on YouTube, the man who saved Southeastern. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Well, uh, man, I, uh, you know, uh, that I, I'm glad you brought it up. And so, uh, and it, it was man. Uh, and, uh, and I think it's a great idea, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, it, if fans go there, it's actually the 20th post on that channel. So, you know, with the, when you get these uh, streaming channels, you have to go all well, almost to the bottom of the channel, right? You scroll down, almost the very first match the very first post on there yeah. and then it is the number 20 post and as you said it's called a tribute to mac mcmurray the man that saved southeastern yeah so and dave as my stories go you know i think that one about mac could be one of the very best man especially since it involves such a rare friendship and uh and it was really a heartfelt tribute to mac because it was only a couple of weeks or a week after he died. So uh, for those who have never heard or never been on my YouTube Southeastern channel, it's free. Everything on there is free. So all you have to do if you're not uh, subscribed already, subscribe and, uh, and look up that tribute. Yeah, it is so good. And you were really, you were in a limbo state. I don't remember how many years prior to the, the current time we're talking about in 1979, but you didn't know if you could do the deal and Max said, Hey, let me talk to you for a second. And man, the deal worked out. Uh, thanks to Max. So that's uh, that's amazing. And, and what a humble gentleman. I had the opportunity to meet him a few times, but, uh, just, uh, just an awesome character and, uh, no, nobody really realizes what a pivotal part he played, not only in your company, but in your life as well. And, and moving forward in the Knoxville area. All right, this has really been a great beginning today, Stud. So, where do you want to ride next? Well, let's go south, man. Let's go to let's go to Mobile, man. Uh, we're gonna go down there to that ten thousand seat main auditorium building for Thanksgiving night spectacular. And uh, this card had four main events on it, man. And the first match was Roy Lee Welch taking on Troy Grant. Uh, then the great Joel Duke, man, was in the second match there. And uh, he was facing the heel that was just about his size, basically a guy named Big Bill Dromo. Uh, then the fans, the first of uh, four main events uh, started out with a special challenge match with Robert Fuller facing off against his cousin, Jimmy Golden. Uh, the second main event was for the United States Junior Heavyweight Championship. Tony Charles, the champion who was returning from the Gulf Coast. This was about one of his first matches back. He was defending his belt against Norvell Austin. Then for the Southeastern Tag Championship, the champion Mongolians were managed by the great Mephisto, uh, defending against Kevin Sullivan and Jerry Stubbs. And then the fourth main event, Bob Armstrong was defending his Southeastern belt against Tor Tanaka. So, um, the... Uh, a uh, pretty, pretty nice, <laughs> pretty nice little uh, 
agenda for a Thanksgiving night. That's an incredible card. (laughs) Wait a minute. With four main events out of six total matches. So compared to the, compared to the Knoxville card, especially with only five matches. So it just sounds like a lot more bang for the buck. And I think this is going to be a good spot. Let's do our break right here. And when we come back after the break, we're going to find, we're going to find out if this week's Southeastern Gulf Coast TV show can match last week's TV. Remember that? All right, that's coming up. Okay, on the break on this Studcast, I want to mention as we've been talking about Southeastern Rewind on YouTube. That is the Stud's official location on YouTube. Put in Southeastern Rewind in the search bar. And one of the cool things on there is Ask the Stud question and answer show. Number 11 is about to hit. It's a great opportunity for Stud fans anywhere on his social media. You can get your questions submitted. And Stud, it's amazing to me that you take this time as often as you do, episode number 11 is coming very soon, and you answer as many as 10, maybe even 12 questions on the show. Yeah, you know, and, uh, and wow, we've been doing these. This is going to be number 11, man. So this is the 11th one, and uh, wow, the questions have just been phenomenal. I'm always amazed uh, when we do one of these at how good the questions are and how knowledgeable some of the fans that I have out there are. It's really, really amazing. So uh, this one is going to actually be on uh, this coming Saturday on uh, the 18th, November the 18th, uh, uh, 2023. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a great one. I mean, uh, they all are great. And, and I don't like to hear the questions, and I very seldom hear any of the questions until I answer them because uh, – I enjoy it so much, and uh, so do the fans. Uh, it's one of the most popular things that I do on YouTube. Uh, so many people love these, and uh, so this is going to be the 11th one. It will air on Saturday, November the 18th, 2023, and uh, I expect that it'll be just like all the others. It should be just filled with uh, with great wrestling history, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, questions come from everywhere, all over the world. Uh, have them from all over the world, literally. Uh, it's pretty amazing where they come from. People not only get to be, you know, tell their name, but they get to tell where they live. And uh, so uh, I find out uh, we're worldwide, man, that's for sure. Hey, what's not to like? Because the fans control the show. Uh, they love the topics that you do on the Studcast every week, but then they they probably, like I do, they think down another path or another road or what happened with this or that part of the story and that's that's the chance they get to jump in there and go hey i've been wondering about this and and i think it's cool how you take the time to give them the answer all right tell us again when is that going to be debuting that's going to debut this saturday on uh, november the 18th uh and uh, it's uh, going to be uh, right there on uh, on the youtube channel and uh i just invite people to to have a listen to it if they've never listened to these before i think they'll find them be very interesting all right, that's a cool deal. Don't miss it. Ask the Stud, episode number 11. It's the question and answer show that is the best that you'll find on YouTube on Southeastern Rewind, old school wrestling. You're going to find it always with the Stud. All right, Studcast fans, welcome back. It's the second half of another Studcast, episode number 325 for this Studcast called Thanksgiving Spectaculars. 
1979. It is plural for a reason. Of course, we got that incredible lineup that we talked about earlier where you wrestled the Hulk in Knoxville. So now we're down south. And we've set this thing up because six great matches down south. Four of those were freaking main events. There's no way around it. This had to be another great TV show to set this whole huge mobile card up with all of those main event matches, stud. Oh, man, it, it definitely was, Dave. No doubt about it. And uh, I wasn't there, uh, you know, and I'm still in Knoxville at this point. I haven't actually moved to Pensacola, uh, but I'm in the process. But, uh, you know, it had described uh, to me uh, by by Rob uh, and Bob and Charlie Platt. They all talked to me about these TV shows. And so it was absolutely loaded. This one was with videos and actually a lot of intrigue, man. So it opened with Kevin Sullivan, who was the TV champion, had the big trophy and everything. He was at the set with Charlie Platt. He had the trophy with him. And uh, he was there to say, I'm going to be in the last match of the show defending my television trophy. And uh, as Kevin was leaving the set, then Robert came to the set. Uh, and he had a brace on his neck. And uh, so he and Charlie were about to watch what had happened to him. And the reason he had a brace on his neck, it happened four days earlier in Mobile when he was attacked by his cousin, Jimmy Golden, and Norvell Austin. And the result of that was uh, Rob and uh, Jerry Stubbs lost their Southeastern Tag Team belts to the Mongolians who were managed by the great Mephisto. So before they watched the video, Charlie apologized to Rob for what had happened to him. And he told him, you know, he said, uh, he said, Rob, I got to tell you, man, he goes, earlier I went up into the control room and I watched this match. And he goes, I was shocked by what happened. You know, he said, uh, you know, and he, and he added, he said, uh, only in those buildings, you know, in, in Mobile on a night like that, uh, it, it has, has anyone seen uh, anything else? Nobody has any idea what I'm about, they're about to see here, Rob. But, uh, you know, I watched it and, wow, I couldn't believe basically what happened, you know. And uh, so he told, you know, exactly, uh, he said, especially, Rob, after the way the last television show ended. When Jimmy Golden and Norville Austin came out on the very end and nobody had seen them for months and months and uh, everybody loved them when they left here and they were saying how happy they were to be back and, and they'd been gone for eight months, ten months, and then and they can't wait to say hello to all the great fans out here and all that stuff. And then he says, you know, and so Rob says, Rob, Rob says, Charlie, you know, he goes, uh, he goes I had no idea, man, what those – he says, you, Charlie, have no idea what those two backstabbers are capable of. And he said, uh, and uh, they said both of them have recently become, he says, I think the dirtiest wrestlers in the business, man. And he goes, to, <laughs> and, you know, and at that point, the video started. And then it was at a spot in the match, uh, it was for the tag team match in which it was being recorded, where the referee had been knocked out of the ring and he was out on the floor and Rob had, had uh, had one of the Mongols down, and they left him flat on the back, on his back. And Mephisto uh, and the outside Stubbs and the other uh, Mongol are, are fighting, and uh, Mephisto gets into the ring, and Rob goes after Mephisto, and all of this is going on. And then all of a sudden, Jimmy Golden and Norvell Austin show up in the ring. They just pop into the ring. There's no referee in the ring at this point. And, uh, you know, fans had no idea what was coming. 
you know, they these guys were good guys. What, what the, and they went straight to Rob, man, and they attacked him, man. Uh, Golden pile-drived him. Austin jumped up on the ropes and grabbed Rob's legs, and he jammed him head first into the mat, did one of those double pile-drivers, I call them. And uh, they started uh, then to leave the ring. Uh, but, boy, the crowd had other ideas at that point. This was Mobile. And, uh, you know, they didn't know what was going to happen when they got in the ring, but it didn't take them long to turn on those two, right? So they, when they started to leave, the, the crowd, like I said, had other ideas, and they wouldn't let them even get to the floor. Referee got back into the ring, and he counted Rob out and gave the belts to the new champions, were the Mongolians, and uh, they were managed by Mephisto. And the video was uh, picking up a Part of what was going on after the match there was a riot. You actually got to see fans pushing and shoving in there. You couldn't get out of the ring. They had pushed their way up to the ring. Thousands of people. It was like, uh, you know, and it was, uh, I described it, I think, last week. Bob described it. He said, Ron, you remember the first riot we ever had the first night we wrestled in Mobile and they were trying to kill you? Because this riot was the same type of deal, you know. So, uh, so then uh, Rob was very upset watching this. Of course he was, right? And uh, so he yelled for him to stop the video, just stop it. And then he turned to Charlie and he said, you know, he says, Charlie, he said, you don't have, you, 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 nobody knows what this is all about. He says, this is a continuation of this long vendetta between me, my family, and these two guys. And he goes, I can't believe that they have shown up here. Why are they even here, right? And he says, I have videos of Jimmy Golden turning on my father in a tag match where he was my father's partner. And then he said he personally tried to kill him uh, in the match uh, months ago in Tennessee. And then he says, I got a video of Jimmy Golden and Norvell Austin working together to cost me my hair. (laughs) He said, I got my head completely shaved. Because I lost a hair versus hair match in which Golden and Austin screwed me. And he says, I got a video of them double teaming me again and sending me out of Tennessee, the state I was born in, in a loser leave town match. And he goes, and now they're here. And he says, uh, you know, he said, but Charlie, this is the end of the line. He says, I'm going nowhere this time. I'm going to end this right now, once and for all, starting with Jimmy Golden. Next week, one-on-one for a change. Not going to be a double team, one-on-one. And then when I'm finished with him, I'm going to take Norvell Austin the week after that and finish with him. Mm. And he was upset. So he jumped up out of his seat and he left the set. And and the studio audience and Charlie, Charlie, they they had been mesmerized by the video. They, you know, they saw Golden and, and, uh, and Austin turned into something they never expected to see. And uh, <laughs> and then they got all this intriguing information about videos and, and what's going on, right? Everybody's in, at home and everybody in the studio, man. Uh, you know, so, but that last remark where Rob says, I'm going to put an end to this, by golly, that's what exploded the studio. They like to hear that, you know, they don't know really what's going on, but, uh, <laughs> but wow, they, it's off to a pretty different uh, start. Oh, I'll say. Okay, but it has to be, really has to be the beginning of an amazing angle, Ron. Something maybe never done before. 
I'm not sure about that either. So taking a storyline from one territory in Tennessee to another down on the Gulf Coast with no doubt video proof of what Rob just said was coming. I mean, really, that is a groundbreaking start to this TV. So, and we hadn't even got to the first match. How about that first match on the TV show? Well, the first match was Jimmy Golden, and he was accompanied to the ring by Norvell. So after the studio, seeing what had just happened to Rob just nights before and hearing about all this happening in a territory that they didn't even know existed. No, I mean, nobody had ever even talked about things that had happened like that someplace else before they got to Southeastern down there. So Charlie said the studio, he said they booed the two of them, man, Golden and Norvell. He said, uh, you know, uh, he said, I thought they were going to run them out of the building, man, and out of the state. He said it was the best instant turn of two baby faces, the heels, Ron, that he'd ever seen. <laughs> so hearing that booing and knowing Jimmy Golden, who had to love that crowd reaction, man, Jimmy loved this healing. He had really gotten into it. I'm sure, man, he strutted his stuff in this match, making that studio audience hate him even worse, man. And there's Norvell standing out there just screaming at him. I, I can only imagine what the, kind of the first match that was to open a show with. So he finished his opponent off, man. He, uh, with three, Charlie said he did, he gave the guy three back-to-back neck breakers. You know, and, and basically there's Rob. He's got that neck brace on from having uh, been piledrived. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it, it was like uh, – Golden's making a statement to Rob, here comes our match, and here's what I'm going to do to your neck, man. Wow. So this TV is off to a tremendous start. So what was next after that? Well, the studio erupted again. Again, uh, Tony Charles comes popping out of the dressing room. He just got back. He's wearing his United States Junior heavyweight belt, uh, and he goes to the ring. And uh, they hadn't seen him for almost a year. And, uh, wow, Tony Charles was a born star to wrestling friends around the world. I mean, he was, he was a recognized uh, big-time star. Uh, Golden and Austin, they went to the set uh, with Charlie uh, during Tony's match because Austin's going to be wrestling Tony for his junior heavyweight championship. They hadn't even been invited, but uh, Charlie said they showed up, Ron, you know, because, you know, and he said, uh, you know, they were both, uh, you know, he said they were so excited, man, that you could tell to see how fast they were getting over his heels after being concerned about it. And that, I'm sure they boys did that. You know, they left Tennessee. They went back down there where they had been baby faces. And, and now they're going to be to uh, the first weekend turned heels. And uh, wow. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so Bob talked to me about it, too. He said, he said, Ron, they. They both made themselves overnight stars at that set with Charlie. <laughs> they were fantastic. So then, uh, you know, as Tony Charles was handling things in the rings, which that was always the deal for him, man. He had all those smooth moves and those fantastic throws. Uh, there was Golden and Austin sitting at the same time, running their mouth at the set, you know. And, uh, and so at the end of it, they, uh, Bob said, you know, they promised that Norville Austin – was going to win Tony Charles's U.S. Junior title the very next week and the very first time he ever got to try it. And that Jimmy Golden 
was going to send Robert Fuller searching for another place to wrestle and running for the hills. <laughs> so it sounds like Golden and Austin were on their way to becoming top heels. All right, how about the personality profile? Who was on that? Well, the man of the Gulf Coast Wrestling, man, uh, the man in the, in, in down there, Bob Armstrong. And, uh, so Rob said it was a very apparent man that uh, that was certainly true, that Bob was the man. And especially, you know, he said Bob popped out even where uh, Charlie went to the set by himself for the profile. And uh, normally he started it with the guys in the profile. But then he got to the set, and he instead then introduced his guest, and then out of the dressing room popped uh, Bob Armstrong wearing his southeastern belt, and uh, he went to the set. And uh, Rob said the studio was going crazy, man, because uh, they'd already seen a pretty good opening to a TV. Now they got Bob there, so he said uh, Bob was there to watch a video from Mobile from the uh, same night, uh, four days earlier, where he went to the ring. And he helped Kevin Sullivan after Tanaka had thrown Kevin out of the ring and he won a Boston street fight that Kevin, well, Kevin had challenged him to. But then when they threw him out of the ring, he got his hand raised. The match was basically over. Tanaka wasn't happy enough with that. So he went out on the floor and he was out there to finish him off. And Bob was standing there watching the match. You know, he told, uh, you know, hey, look, I happen to be watching this match. And he goes, you know, he'd already thrown Kevin over the top, and then he ran him into the ring post. I watched that. And then he said, uh, you know, uh, he, he said, uh, I, I couldn't help it. I, I got to go down there and, and try to stop him, you know. Uh, he's, he's a big guy, and he's obviously going to hurt Kevin. So, uh, so the video showed, you know, Bob at ringside getting basically between Tanaka and Kevin, who was laying on the floor. He wasn't even able to get back up. And uh, so uh, then it showed Bob was supposed to wrestle in the next match, a championship match, a loser leave town against Eddie Mansfield. Then it showed Eddie Mansfield come down to ringside while Bob's looking at Tanaka, trying to keep Tanaka off of Sullivan. And then Eddie kind of draws his attention and uh, when he gets Bob's attention, Tanaka then sneaks up behind Bob. And when Bob turned around, Tanaka gave him one of those karate thrusts. Man. And uh, Mansfield uh, threw Bob in the ring, <laughs> jumped in, which he, that sounded like to Eddie Mansfield. That's the way he would do it. And he demanded they ring the bell and start the loser lead match. Right now, let's go. <laughs> I'm ready. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Bob ain't ready. He's laying in the mat. What's the problem? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then uh, the studio fans, you know, having never seen the match, they were reacting to the video just like the, that they were in the building, right? They'd never seen this before. <laughs> so so they were already uh, booing Eddie Mansfield when the bell rang, and, uh, and he started working Bob over, man. And, uh, and he did a pretty decent job on him for three or four minutes. And, and uh, he was still, uh, you know, uh, still, uh, he, he started uh, cheering. <laughs> Bob then finally got his, got his uh, senses back, and, and here he came, man. And, wow, he started kicking Eddie Mansfield's butt. And that crowd in the studio popped, man. Bob was. And then Bob uh, went ahead and, and put him to sleep. Sent him out of Southeastern. That was the end of Eddie Mansfield. <laughs> Eddie Mansfield don't think ever wrestled for Southeastern anymore. Wow. So then uh, Rob said the conversation between Bob and Charlie suddenly changed to toward Tanaka. 
all of a sudden. And he said, uh, Bob challenged Tanaka, you know, and he says, you know, Tanaka, what he did was wrong. And then he gave me this karate chop. And he goes, now, if he wants to play that game, he goes, I'm willing. And he goes, in fact, I'm going to challenge Tanaka to a championship match. Mm. And, uh, and I'll give him a championship match if he will come and wrestle me. Well, the studio popped, and uh, and so did the door over there on the dressing room on the far side of the studio. Tanaka came slamming the door open, <laughs> and he came right across the studio set to where Charlie and Bob were. And uh, so Charlie, he said, "Wanda, well, this was going to get nasty." He goes, "We can't do that." And he says, "You know." I was very concerned because the bleachers with all the people are sitting right there next to the set. And if they get to fight in there, you know, this, this, this isn't going to be a good deal. So, uh, so Charlie, you know, he said, I saw it, I saw it coming. And he said, I, 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 I said, Hey, can somebody get out here and help me? You know? And, uh, he said, luckily a couple of guys came from both dressing rooms. And, uh, since the set was so close to the audience, he said, man, I was really concerned that this got out of hand. We're going to get fans hurt. So guys, uh, like I said, from both dressing rooms showed up. And then obviously uh, uh, Tanaka at this point, you know, uh, they were ready to get it on, he and Bob. And uh, so Tanaka, obviously, he didn't have to say so, but he had accepted the title match. And the fans were going to see, they were going to see these two titans, man. I guess is a good word for them. These are some of the biggest names in wrestling. Go at it on the on Thanksgiving night and on Thanksgiving week all around the territory. Wow. That's an exciting profile that turned out, uh, that turned out to be all right. So who was next in the ring? Well, Tanaka, man, the monster had just been held back. And, <laughs> and uh, Rob said, you know, he said, Ron, he said, I felt sorry for the poor guy that was waiting up there in the ring to wrestle Tanaka. After all. <laughs> and he said, he said, I, he said, I'd never seen Tanaka that mean as he was in that match. He goes, it, it didn't last two minutes. He said, it took longer, Ron, to carry the guy from the ring than the match itself. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right. That's a great TV show that was, that was turning into uh, that, and the last match for the Southeastern TV Championship Trophy. All right, so how about Kevin Sullivan? Who was he defending against? Well, he was defending against another monster, Dave, the Mongolian Stomp. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. All right, so you got to be kidding. that he, he was already one half of the Southeastern Tag Champions, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, and uh, and so, and, and both of the new champions, uh, with their belts, uh, you know, uh, the stopper and his partner, uh, you know, and their manager, uh, they all got in the ring, man, uh, to a thunder of booze, man, you know, uh, so, uh, there's poor Kevin standing there with his TV trophy. He's got two Mongolians and the great Mephisto in the ring with him. And, uh, you know, so, uh, Mephisto and the stopper's partner, uh, went out and they joined Charlie. Uh, at the set. And then for the first time in the TV show, uh, then the show, uh, nobody had seen this guy, Joe LaDuke, appeared outside the babyface dressing room. And uh, and he's standing there watching this match. So Charlie asked Mephisto, who was now at the set with him, like I said, along with the second uh, uh, Mongolian. And uh, Charlie asked Mephisto, he says, uh, 
what, why do you think Joe LaDuke is out there and, and so interested in this match? Well, Mephisto didn't even answer that question. He he's had no comment about it at all. Mm. But he started bragging about what, the guy he called my main man. My main man, the Mongolian stomper. He says, <laughs> says, that guy up there is in the best shape of any athlete on earth. And he says, you know, he couldn't, he could only, he could easily hold two championships at one time, meaning, you know, he's already Southeastern tag champion. And if he wins this, he's TV champion. He said he might could even hold three. Right? So, so it, it kind of became apparent, man, that uh, he could be right too. Cause the stomper man was stomping his way to a win, man. He would, uh, he wasn't finished after he beat uh, Kevin. You know, he had his hand raised, and then then he went back to stomping on Kevin again. Well, Kevin's partner Jerry Stubbs is going to uh, they're going to be wrestling these Mongolians again this, that coming week. Well, Kevin came to the ring, man. He got in the ring and he tore into the stomper. But as soon as that happened, then the Mongol and the Great Mephisto left the set and they went to the ring. So. Uh, Charlie said it was absolutely crazy in the studio, man. And, uh, mm. and then he said uh, they grabbed the referee and threw him over the top rope. And, uh, and then he says, all of a sudden, Joe LaDuke comes down and he crawls into the ring. Mm. And he said, as soon as Joe LaDuke got in the ring, he went, the Mongols and Mephisto made a run for it. <laughs> well, I'm shocked by that. There was so much going on in this TV stud. I don't know how fans could keep up with everything that was happening in that, that TV studio. All right. For instance, like what was that Joe LaDuke thing at the end all about? Set us up with that. Well, you know, we were about to blow fans' minds down there, Dave. I mean, uh, they were going to find out over the next few weeks so many things and so much history from another territory that they had never, ever even heard of. So my father and I, and, and to add to all that, my father and I, we're going to soon be added to all this, and we haven't even been discussed at this point. All right, so it's really turning into some of the best booking and wrestling maybe ever in history. All right, with that great TV, what happened in Mobile Thanksgiving night, 1979, in the big arena? Roy Lee Welch beat Troy Graham. Joe LaDuke got a win over a very good heel, man, a guy from uh, Georgia, man, a, a star. Uh, and a guy pretty much Joe's size, almost as big as Joe, he beat the heck out of Big Bill Dromo, Bob said. And then the special challenge match kicked off uh, the first of four main events. Uh, Robert facing his cousin, Jimmy Golden, for the first time in southeastern Gulf Coast history. And, uh, Bob said, Ron, uh, I asked him what kind of match was, and he goes, I don't know anything to say, but it was a bloodbath. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. And he says, uh, fans got, uh, they got to feel right away, man, for the anger of for this rivalry. You know, and they, he says, wow, you know, first time two guys wrestled each other, this shouldn't be what happens. But uh, this is something big time here, right? So he said both guys got disqualified, and the match was called a no contest. And then in the United States Junior Heavyweight Championship match between the champion Tony Charles and Norvell Austin, uh, bloody, <laughs> a bloody Jimmy Golden went down there because it's his buddy, his protege, Norvell Austin, uh, trying to win the title. 
and got involved, the referee behind the referee's back, and ended up uh, making uh, Norvell Austin the United States Junior Heavyweight Champion, winning uh, Tony Charles' belt in that match. Then in the Southeastern Tag Championship match, the champions, the Mongolians, managed by the great Mephisto, beat the challengers, Kevin Sullivan and Jerry Stubbs. And then the last main event uh, for Bob Armstrong Southeastern Championship against basically at this point, I think one of his greatest foes, man, uh, big old uh, Tora Tanaka, you know, uh, like the third match on the card. Uh, mm-hmm. This one finished, uh, Rob said, this one finished up in a bloodbath too, man, and a no decision. Wow, that's an incredible night for fans. And since this same card was in all three major cities. How did it draw that that week, the week of Thanksgiving? Well, gosh, uh, Dave, it, it set a record, a new record for the combined attendance in those three cities. Uh, Montgomery went uh, from 3,800 to 4,100, well over 4,000 people, uh, and it was closing in on a sellout in that, uh, that uh, big, beautiful civic center that we wrestled in there. Uh, Dothan went from 5,000 to 5,300. Uh, you know, almost a complete sellout. Yeah. Uh, Mobile went from 5,300 in Expo Hall, where we were the week before, because we were in the main arena, to 9,700. Whoa. So a uh, three-city total of 19,100 fans. Wow. Uh, in just three nights, we had matched the all-time biggest week in southeastern Knoxville history. Wow. I tell you, this has really been an eye-opening stud cast, Ryan. A lot of fun. It's not over yet. We do have enough time for a learning tree question. This one we picked just for you. Something that had some special significance for you as well on that Thanksgiving day in Knoxville in 1979. You actually talked a little about it in the first part of this stud cast. The staff here, all the all the big fans of your, are of course, big fans of your studcast. On your Ask the Stud question and answer show, of course, on YouTube Southeastern Rewind. So the question is one you answered on the last Ask the Stud number 10. You can find it at, at YouTube on Southeastern Rewind. Ask the Stud number 10. Since this studcast has been about that Thanksgiving Day match in Tennessee, and so many thousands of fans listen to these studcasts every week, but don't get to hear your Ask the Stud shows, maybe. We thought that it might be fun, to, a special deal to for all your fans to hear your answer to one of the questions. So it comes from Craig Brinkley, Bristol, Florida, and he says, has the Hulk ever thanked you for what you did for him? And here's your response from that Southeastern Rewind number 10 episode of Ask the Stud. Here's your response. Craig, uh, uh, well, he he thanked me in the strangest of ways, I guess you would say. I mean, uh, I don't uh, recall him uh, ever coming in and saying, Ron, uh, thank you very much for, for bringing me in here and giving me the opportunity and that type of thing. But I do remember that I worked with him several times in the uh, Pensacola Territory down in the Gulf Coast, 1979, when he was breaking in. Uh, and I went and did a lot of jobs for him, uh, and, I, and I tried to help him learn how to work uh, as much as I possibly could. And then in, later in 1979, uh, Thanksgiving night, 
to be exact, in uh, 1979. Uh, I was the last guy to leave uh, Knoxville and go south to the to the Gulf Coast Territory. Uh, I had sold the territory to Barnett, and uh, and on that Thanksgiving card, I wrestled Sterling Golden, who was the Hulk. Um, and uh, I remember that uh, I, that the, the Booker, I think the Booker was still Dick Slater, who was had been my Booker in 1979 before I sold out to Barnett. Barnett wanted to keep uh, Dick Slater and Paul Orndorff, Fox Baker, and and the Angel Frank Morrell out of the out of my crew that I had when when we were making the deal to settle Knoxville. So uh, uh, he made Dick Slater his booker. Barnett just kept Dick as his booker. And Dick came in and he told us to finish. And he, and in the finish, uh, he wanted to uh, he wanted to beat me. And, uh, and I didn't care. I was leaving there. It was the last time I was going to wrestle in Knoxville for until 1981. To the question I think I just answered. You know, and that, that would be the only time I was going to wrestle there for six years until 1985. So, uh, so, and when Slater left the dressing room, uh, and I think uh, the Hulk was their champion, the Southeastern champion. He had just won that belt. And, uh, and, uh, once uh, Dick left, and uh, you know, we sat and uh, we started to talk about the match and things we might do. And he says, uh, "Ron, he goes, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to beat you." He says, uh, "This is your town. This is your territory. That you were a star here." And he goes, uh, "He goes, I'm, I'm going to New York." He said, "They don't even know." But I've already made a deal, and I'm, I'm going to New York in about three weeks. Well, he was jumping around from everywhere when he got started. He came to me, he went to Memphis, he went to Georgia. Now he's headed to New York. And he says, uh, I don't I don't want to beat you. And, uh, and <laughs> I said, well, wait, you know, I mean, I, I don't mind doing the job. It's, 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 it's part of the business. And he says, no, no. He goes, uh you know, uh, he, he says, maybe it's my way of thinking, thanking you, Ron. You know, uh, uh, I just don't feel good about going out there and beating you in this town with all the things that you accomplished here. And so, you know, I said, well, uh, if you feel that way. Uh, so we worked out a little finish that, uh, that he didn't beat me in the middle. You know, that was what they were going to do is beat me in the middle because they knew didn't know he was going to New York. He's their champion. And uh, so, you know, they wanted to get him over. I was certainly willing to do the job for him. But, uh, wow, and in a way, man, uh, that's the biggest thank I think I ever got from a wrestler. You know, I mean, he just showed uh, his respect for me. Uh, and for what I had done in that particular town. I think if that had been Atlanta that we were in or any other city other than Knoxville, that uh, he would have gone ahead and done exactly what they wanted him to do. And I'm sure I never asked him afterward uh, that he got some heat. I'm sure, you know, they came to him. Dick must have come and said, hey, what's the deal, man? You didn't do the, 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 the finish.
And uh, so I don't know how he explained all that. That's the last time I ever saw the Hulk was uh, in that, that night after that match. And uh, I thanked him the end of the match which was customary you went and looked your guy up and you thanked him very much for the match and uh, and uh, I never saw him after that where I could speak to him again alright I tell you what we all love that answer stud about a classic historic match and relationship no less how about that alright so where are we riding on the next stud cast well we'll be ending uh, the last week in November 1979 and we'll be heading into the most difficult three weeks of the year for fans and wrestlers around the world. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, we're getting into December. The focus is on something entirely different. Uh, but a special time of year, no doubt it is, for fans and fans and for friends and family, all of that. So uh, that Christmas time is a great time of year. Uh, the cards uh, were very strong, uh, like, uh, you know, like, like two more loser leave matches in these next two or three weeks. Uh, plus, uh, Robert and Jimmy are going to be going at it again. And uh, and uh, but uh, more wrestlers are are not expected to, to to come in during the during this during this early time period until it gets around Christmas. And then uh, fans are going to end up seeing my, me and my father added to some of this. So we had some really strong numbers going, man, and. And I kind of took it as a challenge at the beginning of December, which is really difficult weeks mm-hmm. for uh, big fans and for these big crowds to continue to try to see if we could make that happen. And so next week's uh, Southeastern Gulf Coast card going to be another great one. Mm-hmm. And we'll also be talking about uh, private issues for the company during this time frame. Uh, deep discussions about what was coming in the future for us and how we were going to handle them. And the next huge step for Southeastern, uh, what were we looking at for the future to uh, maybe make this one of the biggest territories in the country? Wow. It's certainly been one of the best studcasts I think maybe ever. I love all the many things happening all at one time and where the new year is headed. It seems like the booking has stepped up to a new level that we may never may maybe we've never seen before as usual i can't wait until next week that is going to be a lot of fun hey folks you know the deal find ron on facebook at ron fuller the tennessee stud like and follow him there automatically become friends with a living legend on twitter it's the same thing now known as x on twitter find him at ron fuller welch follow him there too the same thing as facebook ron fuller welch it's easy to find and get hooked up and be a part of it you could be a part of the ask the stud Number 11, number 12, all the future uh, Ask the Studs that are going to be coming out on Southeastern Rewind on YouTube. Hey, also check out that fantastic website, tnstud.com, tnstud.com. This Studcast is going to be there with every Studcast ever done. You shop the Stud store there, too, where you can get 43 Super Studcasts, four different 8x10 photos, the thrilling Lion novel written by Ron Brutus, personally autographed to you and t-shirts are on sale too for christmas only 15.99 for the t-shirts subscribe now as we said hey it's the best deal in old school wrestling youtube southeastern rewind it's free get the best in old school wrestling any day every day 
over 360 videos, the last 102 stud casts, 52 stud stories, 82 short rides with the stud, 10 Ask the Stud question and answer shows, soon to be 11, all available now with the new Ask the Stud 11, as we said, debuting this Saturday exclusively on YouTube Southeastern Rewind. It is the best deal in old school wrestling. All right. Any last thoughts, Ron? Well, with everything that's happening now, Dave, around the world, I mean, uh, uh, try to, I guess, uh, all I can say is I, I hope that we can try to make a, make life a little better for those around us and, uh, be as thoughtful as we possibly can. And thanks, uh, for everybody, uh, for all your continued support and take care of yourselves and others and may God bless us all. Well said, Stud. For Ron Fuller in the Great Smoky Mountains, I'm David Summers saying thank you for listening. Find me at David Summers Productions at gmail.com. This Studcast is a David Summers production for Tennessee Stud LLC. Thanks for joining us today for this historic Studcast. The true story continues next week. So full Nelson, your friends, and point them in our direction for another ride with the Tennessee Stud. This is David Summers saying so long from the Great Smoky Mountains.